On today's show, we're going to get into some more, the most interesting teams in the NBA. I polled everybody on Twitter. I'm at Lockdown Mavs. Go follow us there. Who are the most interesting teams in the NBA? Which teams are you most interested in other than the Dallas Mavericks? We've done six teams from the Eastern Conference over the last two days. And so today, we're taking the three most interesting teams, according to you, in the Western Conference. We're talking to Wes Goldberg of the Lockdown Warriors show about the Golden State Warriors. We're talking to Brendan Clean about the Phoenix Suns. We're talking to Matt George about the Sacramento Kings. Lots of interesting things about all three of those teams. We'll get into that on today's Lockdown Mavs. I'm Luka Doncic, and this is Lockdown Mavs Podcast. And welcome, you are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Angstead, media member and coordinator for the Locked On Podcast Network. And joining me today, three hosts across the Locked On NBA channel. Lots of good stuff. We're talking to Wes Goldberg from the Golden State Warriors. What is going on with Klay Thompson? When is he going to play? Are people too high on the Golden State Warriors? Because... I think some people are way too high on them. Talk about their top four, top three seed automatic in the Western Conference. The Mavericks, are they better than them right now? Let's get into that. Do they have a trade up their sleeve? Lots of good stuff from him. Brennan Clean of the Locked On Suns podcast. What does the Suns team look like? What is their biggest fear going into next season? Is it Chris Paul getting, you know, uh, regressing or getting hurt or just not turning into the player that... Uh, he has been the last couple of years and, and regressing or just hitting a wall. Maybe the, the rug gets pulled out from under him because of age. What is up with DeAndre Ayton? Lots of good stuff from Ben Clean. And then Matt George. Can the Mavericks win a single game against the Sacramento Kings this season? And what's going on with Marvin Bagley? Where are we at with De'Aaron Fox? What do we think about him? We'll talk to Matt George about that. So first, let's get into our conversation with Wes Goldberg. All right, continuing our series of the most interesting teams in the NBA. The Golden State Warriors are interesting to people for some reason or another. I guess they got some stuff going on over there. I guess they got Steph Curry still. I guess they got Klay Thompson coming back. Wes Goldberg, Locked On Warriors. How are you doing? What you got for me? I'm good, man. Uh, we're, the season is a little while away. Not as short as last offseason, but uh, feels like we got like a regular offseason uh, kind of in the books for the most part. And now we're getting back on the regular schedule, which I really appreciate. It did, and then it still snuck up on me. It was still right. like, oh dang, because because like you go into an off season like this, and you're like, all right, we have all these, you know, all these plans for shows in the off season, and then you're like, oh, I only have a week left. I can't do all these other plans. I was gonna do like right. you run out, run out of that. Let's talk about this Golden State Warriors team. I think the first question for everybody: What's the status of Clay Thompson? When is he gonna come back? Uh, when are they at least expecting him to be back? Because you, you hear some people talk about the Warriors and like, oh, they're definitely top three. Clay will be back, blah, blah, blah. And there's other people that say, well, he's not supposed to come back till Christmas or something like that. And so let's push the Warriors back a little bit. Let's not be so high on them right now, right out of the gate. Yeah, I mean, look, if anybody knows when Clay Thompson's coming back, they're lying or they're from the future. And uh, <laughs> I, I, I hear the Christmas Day stuff. That was relatively new and early. For a timeline, everything that I had been hearing for the majority of his recovery process from the team and publicly, like stuff, you know, off the side and, and pu- publicly what they're saying, Steve Kerr, Bob Myers, uh, was like 2022, early 2022. Wow. And then ESPN reports that uh, they're targeting maybe Christmas Day or hopeful for Christmas Day. And I don't know. I'm not a doctor, but I'm not really sure what changed with 
Clay Thompson's medicals based on the schedule release, but that's the only thing that had changed between early 2022 and that Christmas Day game was the fact that, hey, the Warriors are going to be playing on Christmas, and then all of a sudden you start hearing that they're, that Clay <laughs> oh, Thompson. So my fear is that they're going to try to rush him back, and I understand yeah. that Warriors fans, and not just Warriors fans, everybody wants to watch Clay Thompson play basketball. There's not a yep. person that doesn't like watching play, Clay Thompson play. Um, Maybe but the Rocco. worst thing they could do is rush him back, right? Like you want him yeah. to be as close to what he was as possible um, before he got injured. And so if it is another month that has to go, then so be it. But I will say this. Um, usually this is a 12-month type of injury. He got injured on November, was it 15th or something? Um, and so a month after that would be, or, or 12 months after that would be, you know, December 15th, this coming December, and give him about 10 days to get back into playing shape, I guess. I don't think that that's enough time. I think this is not just a 12-month injury because it's not just the Achilles, right? You also yeah. are rehabbing from that ACL, and you want to make sure everything's kosher before he gets back on the floor. So um, I, I'm i a little bit more hesitant on Clay Thompson returning by December. I think we're looking maybe more at mid-January, late January. Uh, but that's just, again, that's me guessing, and I, I, I'm not telling you what's going to happen. I'm not a liar, and I'm not from the future. So two questions then. What does this team look like with Clay Thompson? Like, what are the expectations if he's back and he's healthy and, you know, all your hesitancy goes out the window because you're like, oh, he's back and he's good. Yeah. But what does this team look like without him? Is it just a run back of last year, basically? What does this team look like with him and then without him? Um, without him, I think it looks very similar to last year. I know that they added Otto Porter and Amanja Bielitsa. They drafted two guys in the lottery. Um, all that stuff. You know, they some guys are out. Kent Bazemore is not there anymore. Whatever. Um, I think mostly they look like what they did at the end of last season, right? And that was a good team that embraced small ball. It was also a team that was without guys who were sort of getting in the way of that small ball approach, like James Wiseman, Kelly Oubre. Oubre's gone to Charlotte since then. Wiseman will be back probably at some point near the beginning say, of the season. Say that for the folks in the back. The Kelly Oubre leaving is like a, a addition by subtraction a little bit. A little bit. I think they're going to miss um, his difference-making defense like he gets steals he forces turnovers and he does force he does make stuff happen on on offense now it's not always good stuff but he does he sort (laughs) of gets the ball moving a little bit uh, gets the gears turning so to speak but um yeah I think that's a little I just don't think it was the right fit I'm a big Kelly Oubre fan I just don't think it was the right fit in Golden State um but um yeah so I think it'll look a little bit like that but it's not going to be like they're not going to go on a tear like they did at the end of last year either right again it was a certain circumstance soft schedule Steph playing out of his mind. I I think Steph can play out of his mind. Obviously, he's a Hall of Famer, but I don't know if he'll do that. 38, 40 points per game for, you know, all season. But um, so that's what they're going to kind of look like. And then when Clay does come back, obviously, it's going to change a lot of sort of the calculus and the geometry on the court. Clay Thompson is still Clay Thompson. Nobody knows what he's going to look like when he comes back, but he is going to have the respect of opponents, and people are going to respect that shot. And if he just stands 30 feet out from away, away from the rim, then that's going to create more space than whoever's starting a shooting guard when he's not in there. So uh, I think it'll be helpful. But um, to me, uh, look, you're, you're talking about play teams. Some people think they'll be top three. Some people think they'll be a fringe playoff team. I think they just need to make the playoffs. I don't really think it matters what seed they are because the priority should be making sure they have Clay Thompson healthy and then the rest of this team healthy too, by the way, because Steph is getting older, Draymond's getting older, Kevon Looney has an injury history, and he's by far their best center right now. Uh, they need to just stay healthy and be healthy and be peaking at the right time as they get into the postseason because let's remember, they're still the Warriors, but they have missed the playoffs two years in a row. They need to get into the playoffs. 
it's been two, three years now that we've been saying the Warriors have a big trade in them. The Warriors have a big yeah. trade in them. I've kind of resolved to the fact that, well, they're just waiting for to see what Clay looks like to come back because they're not going to make this huge move with Clay out and without all their like chess pieces on the table, basically. Do you see them making some kind of big move? Do they have the pieces, do you think, to make a big move? Are we overblowing their, their prospects of, well, the Warriors have this huge move for Bradley Beal or somebody left in them? I think the big trade has already happened. And I think the big trade was bringing in Andrew Wiggins. I think the big trade was. <laughs> I hope no Warriors fans are listening to this right now. <laughs> um, the Warriors are very comfortable going forward with this core without making the big swing. Uh, look, if Bradley Beal is available or somebody of that caliber, yeah, they're always going to be in the conversation. They're going to do. They're going to make the phone calls. They're going to think about it. But Joe Lakeup and this ownership group really does value the idea of grooming guys like Wiseman and Kaminga and Moody and Jordan Poole to take over for Steph and Clay and Draymond. Now I am a little bit dubious and, and, and I question whether or not that's possible given what the short-term expectations are. Um, but that is the goal. And Joe Lakeup has said publicly in interviews and also and after the draft, like, Hey, I never thought we were going to make the big swing. We can't do it because of our payroll and all this stuff. Now, yeah, um, I, so I, I know that a lot of people are looking at the Warriors for, as a big trade type of destination, but they really do believe at the top that Steph and healthy clay and Draymond and Steve Kerr and what they have been able to do as far as the players have been able to add since Kevin Durant left should be enough to win a championship. I don't know that it is, but they believe that it is. Yeah. You talk about the, the payroll for the team, like that's not something we should take lightly, right? They can't just like swing and trade for somebody with this huge contract. Steph making 45 million this year, 37 for clay, 31 for Andrew Wiggins, 24 for Draymond Green. That looks like a discount. Like the Draymond Green contract looks like, Oh man, he's not getting paid anything. Still $24 million for him. Yeah. Uh, you've talked about that young core, the, the Wiseman, Moody, uh, Kuminga, which one of those guys do you expect to have, you know, the best NBA career? Uh, is James Wiseman going to come and, and maybe be much better than he was last year? Because there, I saw lots of stats on, you know, everywhere, Reddit and Twitter and everything, where they said, you know, the, the Warriors are much better when when Jonathan or, or Wiseman doesn't play. Yeah, like, like they're much better. I mean, with they were Looney or somebody else at center. They were one of the worst teams in the league when Wiseman was on the court, yeah. and then you take Wiseman off and you put in Kevon Looney, who's a pretty. I think he's like kind of a neutral type of player. Like he's not going to. Yeah. Like wins above replacement. He is like the replacement. 0.0, <laughs> right? Like yeah. that's everybody is judged at the Kevon Looney level. It's the Looney line. We can call <laughs> the it the Looney, Looney line. Are you above or below the Looney line? Uh, and I don't feel like now I'm like dunking on Kevon Looney, but um, he's, Hey, he's way better than everybody below the Looney line. He so, is. Hey. That's, and that's a lot of players, including oh, James Wiseman right now. Um, <laughs> and so uh, I, I don't know, man. I, I, I still think that James Wiseman will be a good NBA player. I, I think that that was probably the rookie season from hell for him. Yeah. Like, nothing went right. He's 20 years old right now. He was 19 as a rookie, and he was ex inexperienced even for a 19-year-old, right? Like, he played three games in college, 69 total minutes at Memphis. Nice. Uh, and then had to go into the NBA, uh, no summer league, no training camp because he was out for coronavirus reasons, um, no preseason. And then it was like, hey, James Wiseman, guess who your first NBA, who, your first basketball game, your first time on a court in a very long time, in almost a year and a half, it's going to be against the Brooklyn Nets in Brooklyn. Like, good luck with that. And <laughs> centers, so, no centers can play against them. And hey, by the way, the second game is against Milwaukee. So who went, went on to win the championship? So that was the worst possible way that they could. Like, the, the Warriors mishandled 
Wiseman as a rookie. And they will admit that today. They had no idea what, but there was a little bit of trying to force the issue with Clay Thompson being out. They're like, look, let's just get Wiseman as good as possible. I think it was the wrong way to go about his development. They've revamped the player development staff for a reason. I think they're going to take a very different approach, a much more patient approach with James Wiseman in his second season. But like I said, if they can find a limited role for him off the bench, whether it's five minutes a half or something like that, I think there are going to be Warriors fans who are disappointed with it. But they need to if if the goal is, hey, let's compete now and then also be good five, six, seven years from now with this new core that we just drafted in the last couple of years, then there's no reason to get that much from James Wiseman right now. Kevon Looney had an had his best year of his career last year. He showed he could be a star. He's the perfect starting center for this group. Just let him start. Go win games Stupid and then develop guy. these guys slowly but surely. Um, and so with that said, my, to answer to actually answer your question, <laughs> Nick, um, I think James Wiseman will be a very solid NBA player. Uh, I I wasn't that high on him even when they drafted him. Um, I think Jonathan Kaminga can be very good if they develop him right. We'll see. Um, the Warriors have been pretty hit or miss with their development. Um, and I think Moses Moody is going to be like a really solid NBA player for his career. I think Kaminga has all-star type of potential, no doubt about it. Yeah. Um, but I don't really know where he fits in right away and what that development down the road looks like. Yeah, they they the Mavs are kind of doing this thing too. They have this like young core, obviously not as talented as the Warriors' young core, but like they have this they have this team at the top and then they have this real young core at the bottom of their bench and the Warriors have this with Poole, Wiseman, Moody, Kaminga. Right. Uh, it's an interesting group. So garbage well, time between, Warriors game should be fun. I mean with Dallas though, I mean, yeah, you've got that core at the top, but the guy at the very, very top is Luka Doncic, who is still young. Right. Yeah. And so that like it makes a little bit more sense as far as time. I know they want to compete right now and, and Luka is good enough to do that. But with the Warriors it's a little weird, right? Because you're like because I guess you could say to Luca, hey man, like we're building something here. But with Steph, you'd be like, hey Steph, we're building something here. Steph, like, what are you talking about? Well, I, how many, like the difference between resources, like the maps haven't put a ton right. of resources into that end of the, like Josh Green is like an 18th, 19th pick. But right. for the Warriors, it's like, dang, you're talking a number two pick, a number like what, five right. pick? Number seven and a number 14. Yeah. And it's like, that's Joe Lacob's babies, right? Joe Lacob didn't draft Steph. Joe Lacob didn't draft Clay. Joe Lacob didn't draft Draymond. He drafted Wiseman. Kaminga and Moody. You don't think that he's looking at that as his big win? Dang. Like, I, I'm i telling you, Joe Lacob loves the idea of being Spurs 2.0, just like every team wants to be. Um, but he really thinks that he could do it with this group in this next trio. He looks at that trio sort of just taking the baton from this trio, this historically great trio. I, I just, I say good luck with that. Um, I'm not saying it's impossible. Um, they're definitely more physically imposing than the current trio. Maybe that's the difference there that could kind of help them, but um, it's a tall order, man. Interesting. There you go. Wes Goldberg, Locked On Warriors. Going to see more stuff from him going forward. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, man. Next, we're going to be talking to Brendan Clean from the Locked On Suns podcast about the Phoenix Suns, Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton, Devin Booker. Great stuff from him. But before we do, does this sound familiar to you? You've got one device that lets you catch the game. Another lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone. You've got all these different devices streaming all this different stuff all the time. And it's hard to keep track of, but... I have something that'll help you get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings all your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch your favorite sports, movies, shows, all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes, no more needing to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there is no annual contract on this. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion. Go check out directtv.com. Get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. Again, check it out at directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Also, 
I know a lot of you have had this problem where you're playing NBA NBA fantasy and it's just too hard to keep track of. Like sometimes even weekly NFL fantasy is hard for me to keep track of and they only play one game a week. But with the NBA, you have sometimes you play two, a team plays two games in a week and sometimes a team plays four games in a week. And so you're like, all right, well, this one player is obviously better than this other player. They're going to get me more stats, but they only play two games and the other player plays four games. And so you have to try and sift through all that, do all the work. And it's almost a daily thing for you to play fantasy. And you're like, I didn't get into this to play daily fantasy. I just wanted to play weekly and all that and play head to head against people. Sleeper fantasy has figured this all out. They've made it happen. They have their own game pick. It's the most strategic fantasy basketball experience in the industry. You pick one game per week that your players will play and that's the play, that's the game right there that, that counts for your team. And it's the same across the board. So you don't have to worry about, hey, four games for this this player, four games for that player, two games for this player, all that kind of stuff. So check out Sleeper Fantasy. Go download the Sleeper app and start your league with friends today. You will not be disappointed in Sleeper Fantasy. Again, Sleeper Fantasy, download the app and check out their game picks. All right, continuing our most interesting teams of the NBA. Voted on by you guys. The Phoenix Suns got a couple of votes, so I got to bring on Brendan Clean of Locked On Suns. Brendan, how are you feeling about the finals uh, appearance Phoenix Suns right now? I feel like I have no more uh, sense of what happened from like May to July in Phoenix than I did as it was happening. <laughs> um, and obviously the ending to it only made things crazier. I'm excited to see how they follow it up, and it's basically the same exact group. They are running it back completely as we thought they might, so we should have a great team on our hands again. Yeah, that was going to be one of my first questions. What's the difference between this team and last team and last year's team? Is it, it essentially? I mean, the the main core is still there. Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Aiton, yeah. you know, Bridges. They're all kind of still there, but is any anything going to look different? I'd say the main thing is they got younger. Uh, you had Dario Saric obviously go down with that ACL tear in the finals. You had Torrey Craig leave for a way, way high contract compared to what I thought he would get to go to Indiana. So uh, role players, obviously, but they replaced them with basically Landry Shamit. Uh, more minutes for guys like Cam Johnson, maybe the debut, the, the kind of first time we'll see Jalen Smith, who was a number 10 pick back in 2020. Uh, those guys figure to get Abdul Nader, who has kind of been a journeyman. He seems to be like the backup three on this team. So we'll see some younger pieces as opposed to those vets. I think we'll see less Frank Kaminsky than we did last year, hopefully. <laughs> um, so that's that's really the main difference is they they might look a little different when the bench comes in and, and get some new faces out there. And they got a little smaller too, right? Like with all those guys you just mentioned, it seems like they're not going to be as... Uh, yeah, a little smaller, but JaVale McGee, obviously the big addition there. So they will... I mean, anyone who watched the finals knows they these weird things that pop up, like not having a backup five really screwed them Huge. in some moments you had to have, you know, Deandre Ayton had to be out on the floor a ton, but also when he wasn't out there, it was, you know, a, a complete uh, turnstile for Giannis Antetokounmpo. So I don't know if JaVale's a Giannis stopper necessarily, but <laughs> he's at least a guy there and, and they just yeah. didn't have anybody last season. A Giannis stander in the way of maybe. Exactly. <laughs> a, a Giannis Fowler. Six, yeah, right. six, six fouls. Fou- yeah. He's got six fouls for yeah. sure. And NBA champion JaVale McGee, right? Like, hey. at, least, at least some experience somewhere. Exactly. Who would have thought this guy suddenly being like the the heady vet edition that <laughs> contenders look for. If you had told us 10 years ago, we would have had JaVale McGee like oh. jumping from contender to contender and being this hyped edition. I think we would have not believed you. But yeah, yeah. he's he's that guy. Gold medalist JaVale McGee. You forgot yeah, one true. accolade yeah. for him. Wow. wow. Yeah. If you, like, ten, like you said, 10 years ago, if you had to pick one between JaVale McGee, 
uh, Andre Blatch or like Jordan Crawford, like who would have been the multiple time NBA champion? Like, guy that stuck. I around. think you would have said none. You would have said e none of the above if you had been asked. You're like, wait, what happened to Gilbert Arenas? Yeah, let's get that guy back to John Stevenson. Hey, that's a there's one for you guys. Oh, that's NBA champion to Sean yeah, Stevenson. Exactly. Come so on. he got one. Come the on. Wizards are well represented. They just they took a circuitous route to getting their titles. That's true. Okay, so you mentioned DeAndre Ayton and how he became just such a pivotal player on this team. Uh, what's the next step for him? How much of what he did in the playoffs and towards the end of the season can be replicable and can be approved upon this year in your in your eyes? Whew, big question because you know what we saw in the in the not just the finals the whole postseason was not unexpected. Like if you'd watched DeAndre Ayton in the past, you've seen those flashes, but that's exactly what they were: is flashes. There was you know sections of all three of his first seasons that you would get excited about. Maybe a week, maybe two weeks. It's not always been there, and even during the postseason, I don't think you can necessarily say it was always there. So. It's going to be about that effort. And I think there's also that part of it, too, where it's like you could be optimistic and say, well, we he hasn't able been able to make it through a season, really, at any point in his NBA career until last season, right? He had uh, injury to end his rookie year. He only played about 65 games. Then there was the suspension and then another injury in his second season. Then the pandemic hit. So some by his own fault and some by random luck, he hasn't had that consistency. So can he build on that and like use this now, this offseason, a real training camp again? He still has Mark Bryant, who is sort of the Suns' big man whisperer, the guy that they've just said, you go work with him. And he's been there through Aiton's entire career basically now. And maybe that helps. Maybe that consistency can finally build up. But I think it's all on his plate. We know what the talent is. We know what the things he needs to do are. He needs to create shots for himself. He has to play with consistent energy, all that stuff. We all know. It's just, can he do it? Will he do it? And are the, the stars aligning for him? Did you say in there that this is his first healthy offseason? That's a, a rule on our podcast. If you say that about a big, like a seven-footer that's been injured a lot, that this is his first healthy offseason, I mean, you he have was, to take a drink. Like in He the was healthy coming <laughs> off the bubble. He was okay, healthy. Fair, fair. All but right. it was just the bubble. So yeah, it's right. like, you know, everybody's offseason was screwed up. But he was healthy. So I, we're not in KP territory. We're not, we're not there yet. <laughs> Uh, we are in KP territory all the time over here. Uh, Chris Paul has, has, has been, obviously, he was like the linchpin of that team. He, you know, some people say he brought he should have won MVP because he brought that team from where they were to now a finals contender. Uh, what Are there any signs that he can be slowing down? Is that the biggest worry of this team is that maybe he, you know, the, the floor drops out from under him and he bottoms out? Like, is that the biggest thing for the Suns? Or is it just, hey, we... Yo, trust Chris Paul. He's going to be the same player. He's going to come back and do the exact same thing he did last year. I'm less worried about that. And and part of it is him. I think he's settled into a role where, you know, I don't know if he'll accept taking a step back in minutes. You know, there was the famous stories of him in Oklahoma City basically just telling Sam Presti, like, ain't going to happen. I'm not <laughs> resting. I'm not doing any of that stuff. You know, that will sneak up on him eventually. He's not bulletproof. You know, nobody is. I'm not worried about it, though, mostly for the other side, which is Cameron Payne, I think, has proven himself to be a more than capable backup. I think we'll see 
Devin Booker. Are you laughing at campaign? Yeah, because Cameron, because on this podcast, uh, anytime we brought up like who's the worst player in the NBA, Isaac would always say Cameron Payne, and it became ah. like this joke that anytime Cameron Payne was playing, that and so now Cameron Payne went on that crazy run in the finals yeah. and was like, like you said, like a really important part of this team. Yeah, and we just kept giving crap to Isaac about it every day. So well, yeah, yeah we all deserve crap for doubting the guy, True. and he also just signed a complete under market deal. So I guess we're just gonna keep the undervaluing campaign going, but. Uh, he's more than capable. He's a guy who I trust at this point, at least to play, you know, 20, 25 minutes, take the load off of Chris Paul. I also think Devin Booker will be able, like he, I, you know, people may not look at the numbers of Devin Booker closely, but if you do, he very much took a step back in terms of being a playmaker last year. His usage was down. His assist rate was like almost cut in half. He really wasn't that type of guy. So he can be, we know he can be, he was doing it even when Ricky Rubio was here. So if they balance that out a little bit more, I just think Paul can play the same maybe number of minutes, but not have to do as much and, you know, maybe be a little bit fresher by playoff time. I mean, that's what we've been saying for a decade about the guy. So I'm not going to promise <laughs> he won't get injured when the postseason comes yeah, around, true. but I'm not worried about the fall off during the regular season quite yet. Not a lot of people are giving the Suns, I guess, credit for it. Seems like both both sides, right? Like both the Bucks and the Suns aren't getting credit for making the finals and being like the favorite this this coming into this next season. Who are the teams ahead of the Suns in your eyes that you think like okay, those are legitimate teams that are ahead? And who are the ones that you're hearing from people? Maybe it's national people or other podcasters. You're like, oh, they think that they're better than the Suns. Like, what are they even? What are they even talking about right now? Yeah. It's mostly in the East um, that I'm that's like true. looking at, frankly. And and that's something I've been talking about on, on Locked on Suns a lot is it's going to be a weird regular season because I think most of the teams I'm afraid of aren't ones that the Suns are going to be able to test themselves against all that often. So, mm. you know, the Bucks obviously, the Nets, obviously. Um, they've The Sixers have always played them tough. That's such a question mark as a team. I have no idea really what to expect there. In the West, I think a lot is is really uncertain. Like, People, you know, if you look at the championship odds, like the Warriors uh, to make the finals, the Warriors have better odds in a lot of places, or at least they did when that got when that stuff got unveiled. Yeah. They got a lot of fans, though. They're getting a little like, you know, how Lakers are always yeah, in every single exactly. betting thing like the Warriors get a little of that. Basically, that's the sports books wanting money. And they know yes. Warriors fans or NBA yes. fans will just be excited to bet on on Steph and Clay and everybody else. But like the Lakers have a lot of stuff to figure out. I, the Jazz, I don't trust. Like I just. I think the Suns will be right there as a top two, three seed again. And and it's just going to be a matter of matchups and everything else. The West is going to be so weird. And I think the continuity factor for the Suns and they've, they've stayed healthy. Most of their guys are, are, are relatively healthy every year. Like they're going to be there. Who's the player on the Suns that people aren't talking about enough? Cam Johnson. I think he, uh, you know, we saw the dunks like th- those were unexpected during the finals, during the playoffs, a guy that we don't think of as an athlete. He was the, you know, 30 year old first round pick was, was obviously the joke about him when he came out, but he's, <laughs> he's 25, into, he's 25 going into his, yeah. his third season. He's basically Devin Booker's age and Devin Booker's been in, this will be book's seventh or eighth season. So <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's wild. And he, but he's look, he's developed into a great, great role player. I mean, there, there were times, I think, you know, games during the conference finals and finals where you could say he was the best forward on the team over Crowder, over Bridges, just in terms of, He's not afraid to score the ball, and that's such a problem with Mikhail Bridges right now. And, and then Crowder just is limited for all the reasons we all know, having watched him for so long. So I think Cam will play a lot this year, and I think he'll kind of start to you know come out of his shell. He he had COVID and injury stuff last season, and he's going to be up for an extension next summer. So 
uh, role player that goes under the radar, but I think he'll be a way bigger part of how people talk about the Suns this season than he has been. There you go. Phoenix Suns basically running it back, and they were a fun team last year. They'll be fun again this year. Go listen to Locked on Suns. Follow Brendan Clean on Twitter. Brendan, thanks for joining us. Thanks, man. Coming up, we'll be talking to Matt George from the Locked on Kings podcast. Somehow Matt George just continues to stay chipper and upbeat, and he still continues to stay uh, excited about the Kings, even though they have been uh, the Kings the last couple of years. So we'll get into that conversation with him. But before we do, let me tell you about Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. They're absolutely delicious. And Cookie Dough Chunk is a new flavor. They got 150 calories, 15 grams of protein, 6 grams of sugar, and... I got the endorsement from Isaac. Sometimes it is hard to get Isaac's endorsement on food products, like most most food products out there. And Isaac loves it. He really loves the cookie dough chunk bar. It's available at built.com right now. You can go check it out and use our promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off. They're great. People love them. The orange bar is going out of sale right now. Like they are, they, it, That means if they have sale written on it, that means that they are getting rid of them and you need to go get it fast. It's a pretty interesting bar. It's got that little like, not tang, I guess it's like a sweet tang sort of of the orange with the chocolate. Great stuff. All the bars covered in 100% chocolate. Great stuff. Go check out Built.com. Again, promo code LOCKED15, the number 15, LOCKED15. Also want to tell you about BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to put down some money on sports. They got lines on literally everything. You can go check out lines on basketball right now. They have NBA Futures, the championship right now, Brooklyn Nets, plus 260. That's, that's moved down a little bit. They have... Uh, their odds have gotten better, it seems like, over the last couple of weeks. The Los Angeles Lakers, plus 325. The Bucks 900. The reigning champions are not even like close to favorites <laughs> to, to win the title. Golden State Warriors, we just talked to Wes Goldberg, plus 1,200. Phoenix Suns, we just talked to Brandon Clean, plus 1,600. The Dallas Mavericks, all the way down at plus 2,200. 2,200 for the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, let's see, who else has some odds down here? Yeah, Dallas Mavericks have better odds than the Heat, Hawks, Celtics, Bulls, Knicks. They have worse odds than the 76ers, the Clippers. The Mavs have worse odds than the Clippers to win the title. That and the Nuggets as well. That is fa- And the Jazz. That is fascinating to me. So if you feel good about any of those, go to betonline.ag. You can go ahead and use the promo code LOCKEDON to get a 50% welcome bonus. Also, right now, use the promo code NFL100, the number 100, NFL100, to get a 100% welcome bonus. So go to betonline.ag. The- your online sportsbook experts. All right, continuing our series, talking about the most interesting teams to Mavs fans in the NBA. This one was a little bit of a surprise to me. The Sacramento Kings came up a couple times when I asked you guys who are you, which teams were you most interested in. Matt George from Locked Kings joining me. And Matt George, will the Mavericks actually beat the Kings at least once this season? <laughs> That's the only thing that we have to hold on to from last year. So I'm hoping no. But I do appreciate Mavs fans thinking this Kings team is interesting because they are interesting. Because nobody, even in Sacramento, knows what the hell they're going to be or how good they're going to be. They have enough talent, but as in Sacramento, talent has not been the issue over the last 15 years. Let's start with that talent. Where are we at with De'Aaron Fox? Like, is he he got the the big extension, and it seemed like he was going to be the next guy for for Sacramento. But I've I've heard more about Tyrese Halliburton than I have about De'Aaron Fox. Is that just like the new thing we're interested in him now, or do we think that Halliburton's going to be better than Fox? Like, what is what is Fox? What do we think he is right now? Where does he stand as far as you know? Is he the next superstar for the Kings, or is he? Uh, people are just waiting for a guy to be better than him. I love Tyrese Halliburton, but I don't think Tyrese is is going to be on De'Aaron Fox's level. De'Aaron Fox took a a massive leap last year, and I know a lot of people just don't watch nightly Kings basketball because why would you unless you're 
unfortunate like myself getting um, paid for it yeah don't, 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 under, it, right? don't undersell it right like <laughs> so um but De'Aaron is De'Aaron is is an absolute superstar like he mm. and he showed it last year he is a superstar and when he went into takeover mode I'm talking 30 40 point performances won uh two western conference player of the week awards uh during those stretches the kings were beating everybody left and right not just the mavericks they were beating everybody and for some reason the kings still had an impressive record against good teams last year it was playing the bad teams and the two nine game losing streaks randomly they went on when De'Aaron wasn't playing so well uh, that that knocked this team down a peg but De'Aaron is an absolute star I expect him uh, to be in the running for all-star I'm not going to guarantee that he's going to make an all-star in the Western Conference because it's so difficult to do in the West with the amount of guards and how talented the Western Conference backcourts are. Uh, But De'Aaron should be in the running. He should be in the conversation. Uh, And he said it himself at the end of last season that he he knows or he understands now that on in order to be a a star in the NBA on nights that you're not great, you have to be at least good. Mm -hmm. And he was trying to figure that out last year. This year, I expect him to have it figured out. Uh, He shared with us in his uh, media scrum today that he has put on even more weight. He's even stronger. He's almost at 200 pounds which is where he'd like to be. He's at like 197 or something like that, which is over 30 pounds more than he was at the draft combine. (laughs) So man's put on muscle and man's beefy now. Yeah, we kind of forget or we didn't even notice De'Aaron Fox, 25 points a game last year, seven, you know, rebounds for him. And he shot the three decently, well, like 32%. He's like kind of, he's getting up there to where it's not a complete liability for him anymore. Uh, it's maybe not where you want it to be, but he's at least shown to be you know decent in that area. And he plays games like he just doesn't miss a ton of games either. It's it's been pretty cool to see his his elevation and see his improvement. Uh, so he is like the super. He is the guy that the, the Kings are building around. Like you're comfortable saying that they're building around him. Well, if you're going to give a guy a max contract, you damn well better be building <laughs> yeah, around and, and not think that he's a second. I like the the thing is, um, and I did a podcast earlier talking with Sean Coleman from Locked On Grizzlies, and we talked about De'Aaron Fox versus John Moran. Who would you rather start with, and who's better today? And to me, it, it's it's clearly De'Aaron Fox. The difference is wow. that John Morant got a stage that Fox hasn't had yet, and to Jaw's credit. Jaw performed very, very well on that stage. I mean, average 30 points for, for the postseason or something like that, 30 points per game, that's phenomenal. My thing is, and this is a tough argument to make because he hasn't obviously been there yet, but when De'Aaron gets that stage, hopefully it's with the Sacramento Kings, but when he gets that stage, and hopefully it's this year, he's going to shine, and he's going to show everybody... Like I'm convinced that if De'Aaron Fox was in almost any other market, but put him in like a a mega market that's not one of these super teams. Put him in like Chicago is the example that I've been using a lot. Everybody's talking about De'Aaron Fox. Everybody knows his name. And in the Eastern Conference, he's a multi-time all-star by now. Like that, he is that good of a player. And I'm really not just overhyping him because of the Sacramento perspective. He is that good. And I guarantee you all 30 NBA teams would love to have him. And I, I think he can be a number one guy on a really, really good team. I don't know if I'm ready to say championship team yet, but a really, really good deep playoff team. He can be the number one guy, in my opinion. What are the expectations for this Kings team? Like, where are we at with them? Is it, is it, are they just going to be bottom dwellers again? It feels like a lot of, at least Mavs fans and people, maybe not Mavs fans because of last season, but just kind of write them off and say, all right, that's going to be another team in the basement, in the bottom. But what are the expectations for this team that actually like has some good talent around now? Like Harrison Barnes still there. We just mentioned De'Aaron Fox. He's had an incredible season last season. They re-signed Rashawn Holmes. Buddy Heald's still there, you know, and he's an, an incredible shooter. You got Tyrese Halliburton. You bring in Davion Mitchell. You got some talent there. What are the expectations for this team from Kings fans and from maybe yourself? 
it doesn't surprise me that people write the Kings off because they have to earn the right to not be written off, essentially. But, um, I mean, the Kings have made the bar very, very clear, which I appreciate. Last year, we heard all this talk about, well, see what you have in Marvin Bagley. And is Tyrese Halliburton going to be any good? And you have a young team develop them. And it's a gap year. And there's not going to be fans. So it's okay if you lose, blah, 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 blah. There's none of that crap this year. This year, and, and it's been made very clear by both head coach Luke Walton and general manager Monty McNair, it's playoffs or bust for this team. Now, they don't care how they make it, and I don't count the play-in and getting eliminated as making the playoffs. If they go through the play-in route, that's great, but they actually have to make the playoffs. I'm talking a seven-game series, making round one of the legitimate playoffs itself. Mm. Play-in isn't good enough. It's playoffs or bust for the Sacramento Kings team, and they have the talent to do it. Now, many argue that had the Kings had the bench um, that they had the second half of last season for all of last season, they would have been in the play-in game. And the fact that they went on two separate nine-game losing streaks and still finished only a couple games out is ridiculous. It shows, one, how vulnerable the West is with a play-in. Now, that uh, up top, is it's untouchable. But with the play-in, I mean, God, over half the teams in the NBA freaking make the Well, they already did, but even more of the teams in the NBA seem to make the playoffs. The Kings have to find their way uh, That's not a thing you should be mad about, by the way. <laughs> no, absolutely not. It's great. I, I love the play, and I just think the Kings, if they're going to make the play, and that's not good enough. Uh, so, and and trust me if I say, Nick, the, if the Kings don't make the playoffs, like heads are going to roll. Heads are going to roll. And it, it starts with is Luke, it Luke Walton. Walton or is there, it, yeah, is there anybody it, else? It, it starts with Luke Walton. Now, Monty McNair committed to him, but didn't give him any kind of contract extension. He's in year three of his original four-year deal that Vlade assigned him to when he was hired. Uh, so it's a lot easier to get rid of a guy after when he only has one year left than when he still has two years left, especially in a financial pinch like COVID. So Luke Walton's head will roll. If the Kings are bad, Luke Walton won't last to the trade deadline, which no Kings fan should be rooting for, no matter how much you hate Luke Walton. Uh, and then honestly, like I, I wonder how much pressure is on Monty McNair. Now, I think it would be ridiculous for a first-time GM to be fired after really two one-and-a-half off-seasons that, he, that he's had with this Kings team and an abbreviated season at that. But the, I mean, the patience of Sacramento is tapped by fans, by ownership. Ownership is under massive fire right now because the majority of these losing seasons are now under this ownership group and not the Maloofs, the previous ownership group. So the yeah, patience yeah. is tapped here. And the Kings have to make the playoffs. That is the expectation. And Nick, if they don't, it's nothing short of a catastrophic failure. That's where it is. doesn't matter how many times they've lost in the past. Catastrophic failure if this team doesn't make the playoffs. It's that simple. And it's, it's relieving to be that simple. You mentioned before, uh, last season was about, do we know what we have in Marvin Bagley? Did did, did we know? Do, did we see? Do we know what we have in Marvin Bagley? Like, he just, like, he, his numbers to me are actually pretty wild. Like, 14 points a game every single year, 25 minutes a game every single year, seven rebounds a game every single year, like, just about one assist every single year. Uh, it's like his numbers have just been the exact same. Like the entire time in in the league, like do maybe those aren't indicative of, of who he is, but what what do we have in Marvin Bagley? And there was all the rumors with his. I remember you did the the episode with his dad and like our, with you know talking about his dad's comments and all that kind of stuff. Him wanting out of Sacramento. We know what we have in Marvin Bagley, and what is he? We do know what we have in Marvin Bagley. We have a injury prone high upside big man who has freakish athletic ability and can honestly average a double double in his sleep if he wants to but he's entitled he's surrounded by a bunch of yes men that that aren't leading him correctly in my opinion uh mm. whether it's his family his camp it does not matter uh and he and his camp i believe are doing the only thing that they had left to save face after getting injured again twice last season and that is blaming the organization that has missed the playoffs for 15 straight years i mean the kings are low-hanging fruit they're bottom of the barrel so it's easy to point at them and try and 
put all the attention on the Kings and how crappy that organization has been instead of, you know, taking ownership for the fact that you can't stay on the basketball court. Um, that, Marvin, may sound, that may sound familiar for some aspects. Yeah, Marvin is <laughs> still an extremely talented player. I still think the Sacramento Kings are his best chance uh, to to work his career out, certainly to get another contract. Uh, and for the Sacramento Kings, they could desperately use a, a guy like Marvin Bagley. Their biggest hole right now is at the four spot. And I personally wouldn't want the Kings to start Marvin right out of the gate. I'd rather him come off the bench and put up empty stats and prove that he can, one, stay healthy, and two, play a lick of defense before uh, he makes his way into the starting lineup or even a closing lineup. Um, he still has a long way to go in that sense, but I still think he can be a great fit in, here in Sacramento. But the reality is... Marvin Bagley is no longer part of the core. Uh, the general manager who drafted him is no longer here. So there's no desperation anymore to make it work out. The Kings already look foolish for, for taking him over Luca or Trey or whoever uh, you want to say there. And that, I mean, the, the Bleacher Report redraft didn't even have him in the lottery, which is not surprising at all. Man. Uh, he's not reliable. And if you can't be reliable, then you, you can't be a good player in the NBA. There you go. Sacramento Kings, some interesting stuff, some interesting players. There seems to be a playoff mandate. That's going to be really interesting to watch. There you go. Listen to Matt George, Locked On Kings, if you want any more info on the Kings and the the drama that ensues. Man, you, I, 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 there's a move coming, right, with Bagley or Buddy Heald or there's got to be one coming soon. Unless the Kings are massively overperforming and we're talking like 10 games over 500 yeah. at the trade deadline, if one of those two guys isn't gone at the trade deadline, I would be shocked, absolutely shocked. There you go. That's enough to, to go and follow Lockdown Kings. Go follow him on Twitter as well.